0: Um, I actually wanted to be called B, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's what it will say on the little thing. Uh, yeah. So I am B, compulsive reader, brilliant instructor. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm so grateful to be here tonight to thank you, Michael, so much for sponsoring me and taking me through the steps this year. So proud of my spunkies who work so hard and persevere. This is not an easy disease to deal with. Um, so I have been in OA since 2013, and I'm celebrating two years of abstinence right now. So very obviously, like, I didn't get struck abstinent. I've not done this perfectly, and today I'm okay with that. Um, my abstinence is no binging, no purging, and no restricting. And for me, restricting is either uh, foods, types of foods or amounts of foods. And purging is like no throwing up. Um, And for me, I did not define binging at the beginning of my abstinence. I was like, oh, I know where I'm binging. Um, And that ended up not working for me after about a year. And so as we know in this program, the road narrows. And so I put a definition to binging uh, that is pretty broad because I was a very hardcore binge eater. Um, at my bottom, I was eating around 10,000 calories a day and not throwing up, and I'm 5'2". So that was way too much food. Um, but So how I ended up defining binging is that first, if I've gone and bought food with the intent to binge on it, I've broken my abstinence. Um, And I have not done that in almost three years. So that is a miracle. What I have done is... I've eaten a ton of food at home, which for me is more like a desperation binge because so much of my disease was, like, in the planning and, like, the collecting of the food and, like, bringing it all in to usually my bedroom and my bed and just isolating in that space. Um, And I haven't done that now for two years, and I'm really, I'm so grateful for what I have today. Um, this program literally saved my life, and I really, I would not be alive without it. So it's so important to me, and I love, I love OA so much. You guys are probably my favorite people in the world, you know, and I wouldn't have known any of you, very likely, had I not come to this program. So it's just, it it blows me away on a daily basis. Um, So I'm going to tell you what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. And for me, I do believe I was kind of born a compulsive overeater. I have a lot of food allergies. And when I was an infant, I had uh, eczema all over my entire body. And it was really bad. I would, like, scratch it to the point where it was bleeding. Um, I was an infant. And my parents took me to an alternative doctor who did some testing and took me off of uh, wheat, dairy, and sugar, and my eczema went away. And so, for me, that shows immediately, one, I had an abnormal reaction to food, and two, that, like, I was deprived of these foods from a very young age, and that didn't feel fair. Um, And then when I was around six or something like that, for some reason, I was able to eat those foods again, and that's pretty much all I ate. I ate wheat, dairy, and sugar, um, a lot of it. I remember doing things like only eating French bread and brie cheese for, like, weeks at a time. Um, I'm not really sure why my parents let me do that, but I was an active child. I wasn't heavy. It was what it was. Um, And emotionally in this time, I'm very close to my mom, and my parents are kind of ex-hippies, and I grew up in a kind of very open environment and i just my mom was like my everything i wanted to be exactly like her and i was so close to her and there was a lot of like spirituality and a lot of feeling of feelings and that kind of stuff when i grew up and i grew up in los angeles and so uh when i but the thing was like when i went out into the world outside of my home which i started school when i was like 2 years old um It wasn't like my home environment, and I had a really hard time finding a place for myself um, outside of the home. And so kind of what happened to me was I just around like six or seven years old, I just really shut down. I wasn't getting met emotionally in the way that I needed Um, And I just felt like, you know, and now we know it's kind of like I felt like everyone else had this road roadmap to life that, like, my book didn't get delivered or whatever it is. I just didn't understand how I saw people relating to each other. Um, And, yeah, so like I said, I really shut down. And what I started to try and do was be like the people around me, like what I saw them doing. So maybe if I do it the way they're doing it, it will work. But it didn't work for me because I wasn't being true to myself. Um, And so I started self-soothing with food when, you know, I was young. And I was eating these foods that don't have a normal reaction in my body. Um, And, you know, I, I remember things like I was 10 years old and I would eat, like, two huge sandwiches. I was a gymnast, so, like, it really didn't show up. But... That 's way too much food for a ten year old to be eating, um, and you know my parents would work at night, and that 's really how I just self suited in front of the TV with like a huge bowl of rice or pasta with butter on it and that 's like what I wanted to do um, and so I went to private school in in West Los Angeles, and I, again like I just didn 't fit in My parents were ex hippies. Um, I grew up feeling poor and fat, neither of which were the case, Um, but compared to the people I was going to school with, that's what I saw, you know, and uh, a lot of people like whose parents gave them money instead of parenting, and uh, where they were very obviously starving themselves, Um, and so I'm 5'2", and my uh, top weight, I don't really know because I was very ashamed and not weighing myself. Uh, But it's probably around, like, 165 or something like that. And I've lost 50 pounds in this program. Um, I've also weighed 10 pounds less than I do now, which I starved and exercised and purged down to. And that was not healthy for me either. Uh, And I've maintained this weight for a year and a half, and that's a miracle. I don't think I've ever maintained a weight before for any period of time. Because really what my disease looked like was it was – six months of hardcore binging, and then six months of restricting, purging, and overexercising, and I would gain and lose 20 to 40 pounds every year after age 18. Um, so I never had, like, at, at my top weights, I was never there for a long time. My bottom weights, I was never there for a long time. Um, so in high school, I was probably about, uh, about 10 pounds heavier than I am now, which is not overweight whatsoever, but that's how I felt, what I saw around me. It wasn't, wasn't what I was and you know when I was like this way in eighth grade and one of my classmates told me I looked like a cow like it's just it's not true but those are the messages I was getting and again I was still just trying to um be like what I saw around me and it just wasn't working for me but I didn't know another way I didn't know what else to do so it's what I did and then I went to college. Um, <laughs> and I think it's a really common experience for people's diseases to just take off, you know. Um, the other thing that happened to me before I went was, like, my last year in high school, this disease had started to take hold. And I... uh was it, I stopped going to school, kind of, for a little while and pretended I was sick. Um, I mean, I was. I was sick mentally, emotionally, spiritually, but I wasn't physically ill. Uh, and I would have been the valedictorian of my high school, but this disease started taking hold. But regardless, I got into a very elite private school on the uh, East Coast, and I went, and I failed out the first semester. Uh, I just... I couldn't do what I saw other people doing, which was partying really hard, not sleeping, and, like just studying you know and I my body doesn't work like that I have a pretty sensitive body and I can't push it to that kind of extreme um and you know but I just I just I couldn't accept that I could see all these other people doing these things and that for whatever reason that didn't work for me I just couldn't accept that so I just kept trying to do it that way and I failed out the first semester I came home and then I went back um and when I went back It was not that different of a situation, but I thought I was doing better. And what doing better looked like was I was restricting, purging, and overexercising. And I thought that was better. And I thought, I've got it together now. Like, this time's going to be different. It wasn't (laughs) at all. Um, And I also, I I didn't see my disease as a problem. I just really didn't. I just thought, like... I just have to keep the weight off this time, and I won't have to do these extreme things to be what I find acceptable. Um, and the funny thing is, I was restricting, purging, and overexercising down pretty much the same weight I am now. And that's the only way I thought I could be at that weight. That's not the only way I knew how to do it. And I've been abstinent for two years, eating three meals and, like, some snacks if I need them, and I'm at the weight that I'm at, right? So, all of this was in my head. The way I had to do things was in my head. Um, And none of it was really based in reality. So... It didn't. It didn't work for me. I but I didn't fail out immediately. I think my ego had gotten a little bigger, and so I was doing some stuff. And what it looked like for me, actually, the reason I thought I was doing better when I was restricting, purging, over exercising, was partially because my weight was lower, so I could show up for life. I felt like I didn't have to call in fat, as a lot of people know that experience. Um, and I also wasn't failing out of school when I was doing those things because I wasn't in a food coma all the time, so I actually, like, could study and stuff like that, but my studying, I had to be perfect. I had to be perfect. I had to be the best in all of my classes, or I didn't want to do it at all, so... Basically, what ended up happening was if I couldn't be the best at everything in all my classes, if I wasn't going to get straight A's, I didn't take my tests. I didn't write my papers if I wasn't guaranteed that kind of perfectionism. And doing life like that just really doesn't work. (laughs) It really doesn't work. It's really, really hard. Um, and I couldn't keep it up, you know, and I also was very, very lonely, because to have what I felt like the perfect body, and the perfect uh, academic record, I had no other time, really, that's all I could do, and so after another year and a half, I fell out of that school again, and I came home so demoralized, I was so demoralized, and I still didn't think I had an eating disorder. I didn't see that, like, that was the problem. I'm just like, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I get my shit together, together, you know? And so I came home um, to Los Angeles again, and it just, things weren't different still, you know? I was still me. Um, And... Really what happened, I was in this relationship. It ended really badly, and I slowly started going to, more, to my bottom. And I was taking classes at a community college here, and I was going to fail out of that school too and not be able to transfer to a four-year university. And I just I couldn't believe this was happening again. And so I said to my parents, I told them what was happening. And they knew I had a problem with food, and they had tried to get me to go to OA in 2010. Um, and I didn't think I had a problem, right? So I didn't, I went to one meeting and I was just like, no. Uh, but at that point, what they said to me was either you can go get help, you can go to OA or you can move out and you can pay for your own college and uh, we're not going to help you anymore. And I didn't want to do that, so I came to (laughs) OA. Yeah. I came to OA, again, just like, I just need to keep the weight off this time, and then it's going to be okay. Um, And that didn't work for me either. I, I didn't think the restricting was a problem. I didn't think the purging was a problem. I just thought the binging was a problem, because that was the weight gain. And I would lie to the woman who was my sponsor at the time. Um, and not like I just didn't think purging was a problem, so I would tell her I was abstinent, but I was throwing up. <laughs> and I did go uh to a four year university south of here and I started failing out my first semester. And I was just like, How is this happening again? Like, I can't stop. Um and I was living in this house with a lot of other people, and I just could not stop eating. I wasn't restricting anymore I didn't want them to hear me throwing up, so I wasn't purging. I couldn't exercise because I was eating so much food, and I was going to fail out of school again, and i just I couldn't stop eating you know like part of my story is going to um the stores and stealing a lot of food because I couldn't pay for the amount of food I was eating and I was eating like 10,000 calories a day at my bottom and it was just excruciatingly painful I could feel the skin on my stomach stretching I could hardly roll over I I hated myself and all I could do I hated myself so much was the second that I was out of the food coma the second I could breathe again I had to eat more I just had to eat more and I became suicidal I didn't want to live um and that 's where my surrender started i didn 't want to live, but I also didn 't want to die i didn 't want to like give up a wonderful life um, that I knew could be wonderful and i didn 't get absent right away after that either, but a few months later I did and my first year in recovery, I did it my way. I did what I wanted to do. I did the one two steps one two three dance with different sponsors a few times. Um, but I did get physical recovery. I got some physical abstinence. I got about seven months, and then I broke my abstinence. And then I got about four months, and then I broke my abstinence. Um, and what really happened in that time was I got really sick. I got really sick, um, ended up being hospitalized, almost had to leave school because of that, um, and I realized how I'd been running my life was not working still. I was physically abstinent, but I wasn't working the steps. I didn't get the emotional and physical recovery. i mean emotional and spiritual recovery because it was Gita's way. like I did what I wanted to do um and when I got really sick, I just i had to surrender more because I couldn't do my life the way I was doing it, which was everything all the time i just never had any downtime whatsoever and that's how i stayed abstinent that year it was just like go 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 i was doing way too much um and i couldn't tell in my disease that i had a serious illness that's for me shows how powerful this disease is i could not tell that i was like very sick um but my body showed me right and so after I broke my abstinence, I started surrendering and letting God in in a way that I hadn't. And for me, I didn't come to this program believing in, in God. I I had some outside uh, experience in meditation, and, and I believed in spirituality because I saw – I had spiritual experiences when I was a child before I shut down, but I saw my mom go through stage 3 breast cancer and survive through her spirituality – um, and so I really, I believed in that, and so I started seeking it earnestly. I had been doing meditation before this, but it was basically like I'd do a meditation of hi, God, in the morning, and then bye, God, till the next morning. Um, yeah, but, I mean, it, you know, it worked for the time that it worked, and then it didn't. And then, uh, my cousin drowned really unexpectedly in a freak accident, And I broke my abstinence again. And uh, I was really scared. I was really scared, but I also at that time made the decision that I couldn't be the problem anymore. That I had to be part of the solution. That this person that was a light in this world didn't get her chance to live out her life. And that I couldn't honor her memory by, by being the problem in my life, by hurting myself like that. And one day at a time. Since then, January twenty sixth, twenty fifteen, I've been abstinent, and and I've done it um, imperfectly. Like I said, after this, fir- the first year of this abstinence, I had to define binging because some things were happening some nights after drinking that were just messy, and you know. But it's not the same thing for me. For me. It's like, what's the intent behind going to the food? Is it like my stomach's really upset because I had alcohol or is it like I'm checking out of life? Um, And that has worked for me. That has worked for me. And, you know, I don't do this program perfectly. But right now, very honestly, I don't struggle with food anymore. I just don't struggle with food and it's a miracle. Like I believe I am a walking talking miracle coming from eating 10,000 calories a day wanting to kill myself. To food is not a problem. Food's not a problem for me today. One day at a time that could change. You know, I could start I could start struggling with food and the obsession again. But right now I don't have that and I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful just to not have all of my mental energy and space being taken up by how much should I eat or should I not eat? What am I going to eat? When am I going to exercise? Am I going to throw it up? Like all this stuff that takes up so much energy. And part of the reason why I couldn't do life, what I saw other people doing, because I had no idea how much energy this disease was taking up. I still didn't think I had an eating disorder really when I came to OA. Um, I just didn't want to pay for my tuition, really. <laughs> uh, and, but I did. And it, and it consumed my entire life. I couldn't do anything. Um, and so then as I started getting in, into stronger recovery and actually working with the steps all the way through, the food obsession started to be lifted, and, and when it did come up, I I went to God with it. And if I couldn't go to God, I reached out to fellows, because I really find God in you guys. And when I'm closed off in whatever way so that God's not really accessible to me personally, I connect through you. Um, and so, you know, there's so much God in these rooms. And like I said, I didn't come into this program believing in God Um, and now I have a very strong faith in what I choose to call God. Um, but to me, that's really just the spirit in this universe that connects all of us. Um, you know, if you want to call it higher power, if you want to call it God, whatever you want to call it, but I fundamentally believe that this is, up like a reality in this world that there is some kind of current some kind of energy that's all powerful as you know can manifest anything that we think is not possible uh and for me in this case it was binge eating and purging and all that stuff um this god makes anything possible anything in my experience and that's a miracle You know, like, I didn't come into this program believing in miracles. I feel like I experience them almost on a daily basis now, you know, because I look for it. I look for God all the time, and that's how I get through my life. That's just really how I'm able to get through my life. Um, And so this, this energy in the universe that connects us all, I can be in that current, or I can be going against it. And that's a daily practice for me. You know, in step one, I, I admitted I was powerless over food and my life had become unmanageable. Why I couldn't see that, I don't know. The disease is really powerful, but I couldn't. And then I started coming to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Making the decision to turn my well and my life over to the care of God is still hard sometimes. It's scary But my experience is that when I do that, everything works out. All my fears, you know, none of them come true. Um, Some of those things are, like I said, I was such a perfectionist in school. And once I was ill, I was not able to put the same kind of energy into my schoolwork as I had been. And about a year ago... Something shifted that made this program the most, and my recovery, the most important thing in my life, without exception. And that wasn't the case before that. Um, And I was in my last semester of school, uh, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it the way I'd been doing it. I didn't have the energy, and I didn't do it the way I was doing it anymore. This was the most important thing in my life, and everything else had to come after it. And what happened was, after failing out of school so many times, I graduated with straight A's from this school, which is just beyond me. But beyond that was that my last semester, I got straight A's, and I was studying a third to a quarter of what I had been. It was not necessary what I was doing. Um... But I had so much fear around it. But once I put God first and just trusted in God, that was taken care of. And I don't have to be perfect in all areas of my life anymore. And to me, that's an absolute miracle because my perfectionism made my life so unmanageable. I just couldn't do it that way. And today I don't have to, and I'm mostly okay with that. Um yeah mostly (laughs) but and so yeah now I'm working the steps all the way through for a second time and the layers of the onion keep coming you know they keep peeling and this stuff work that I'm doing right now blew me away it I came to realizations that got me into another program which was not where I thought I was going to go Um, I started really seeing my part in a way that I hadn't. And it just leads me to believe that my ideas about this world are so much smaller than what's possible. And, like, when I seek God and when I'm connected in that way, there's so many more possibilities for me. And so now I really want God's vision of my life. Uh, because one, my way obviously didn't work out, but two, that I really feel like the human brain is small in what we can imagine, and God's power is infinite, and so there are infinite possibilities. So do I want, like, my small version of what's possible, or do I want God's version of anything as possible? Like, that is what I want today. And to seek that, I have to I have to go through a lot of discomfort. This program, this is something I say a good amount, but this program, for me, has had very little to do with what I feel like doing. And usually, if I want to support my recovery, I have to do the opposite of what I feel like doing. We call that contrary action, and I have to do it constantly. Constantly. Especially with my health stuff right now. It's been very challenging. Um, And yet... I'm getting through it in a way that my doctor said should not be medically possible. And that is God to me. That is God. God makes things possible that we can't explain otherwise. Um, And and so I rely on this source of power to get me through the day all day, every day. Like, it's my job, basically, to be connected to God right now. And, I mean, always, hopefully, but... um, Just the illness has has put me into this much deeper level of surrender where it's just, again, I cannot be part of the problem. I can't be part of the problem anymore. Now, granted, I don't do this perfectly. My sponsor is always like, get out of self-pity, right? Like, I have a lot of self-pity. And it doesn't help me to sit there and think about those things or feel them. Um, Really, it doesn't help me. I have to get out of myself and take action. um, and, And how can I help someone else, you know? Um, I, I have a sponsor who I call every day, I send my food to every day, I send a gratitude list every day, I have five sponsees who do the same with me, we work the steps, we come to meetings, we, we do service, um, and we do it imperfectly, but we do it, like, our life depends upon it, because at least for me, it does, it really does depend upon me doing these things. Um, And I I usually don't see them as a burden. I really don't. I want to do these things. There's this line um, in the big book on page 552, which is where uh, the resentment prayer comes from. And it talks about the freedom of when what you need to do and what you want to do are in line with each other. And that's what I feel like most of the time with this program. Like, I want to do this. I want to go to my meetings. I want to help people because it makes me feel so much better. Um, you know, like, when I'm in that place of self-pity, I need to think about someone else, or otherwise, eventually, if I stay in that place, I'm going to break my abstinence. You know, like, one day at a time, I have a reprieve from this disease, but I have to do it every day. You know, things like... uh uh, a few weeks ago, or something, I forgot to do my prayer and meditation. I do a like kind of formal sit-down thing for 30 minutes in the morning. And even though I was kind of like checking in with God, I forgot. And the next day, I was crazy. I was so crazy that day, and I was just, what is going on with me? I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And then I realized I hadn't done my routine the day before. You know, like, I'm not okay without it for one day at this point. Like, I need it to be okay. I need it to be in the solution. And even then, it's hard sometimes. But, you know, I have all of you guys that help me get back there over and over and over again. I can't do this alone. And so to anyone who's trying to do this alone, I really encourage you to stop. It doesn't work. At least in my experience, like, it just doesn't work. Um, and to take direction if you want what someone has do what they do Don't think you're going to get what they have without doing the deal. You know what I mean? I tried it I think a lot of us have it doesn't really get you that much Um, and I want what I have today I want what I have and I know it's just going to get better because I see god every day and my life is so much better than it used to be. Like having people here tonight that knew me in my bottom, which many of you didn't. Um, it means so much to me, and have my sponsees here, and like two of my sponsors, and all you guys who I love so much. We get so much support from being in this program. It is just a miracle. I'm so grateful to Bill W., that God created Bill W. and Dr. Bob. You know, like, the amount of people that their work, the lives that they've saved, is a miracle. You know, like, literally a miracle. I'm so grateful for the life I have today. It's hard. Life happens, right? But I have a way of dealing with it now that works for me. It works for me. It doesn't matter what happened. If I do, you know, if I take the actions, if I do what I'm asked to do, everything works out, and I don't have to figure it all out, right? And whenever I find myself in that place of, like, I'm trying to figure out how this is going to work, I know I'm not connected to God, and I need to turn it over and give it to God. And that ability is the cornerstone of my recovery. I can't do it without that, and I have to do it every day. So anyway, I think I want to take questions, um, and thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. <laughs>
1: Really believing God
0: before you came into the program and now you have strong faith. Mm. Could you describe if there was like a moment where you felt that change? <coughs> oh, thank you. Um, so she asked that I, I had stated that I didn't come into a program believing in God and that uh, it shifted for me, and she wants to know if there was kind of some kind of moment or something. You know, I've had. Uh, Many spiritual experiences in this program, and the spiritual awakening has, you know, been a slower process. But there have been moments where I just feel the undeniable presence of God in my life. And things that there's no way I could have made this happen. And when those things accumulate and you keep seeing them over and over, for me, it's undeniable proof that there is something more powerful than myself working in my life. Because if I could have manifested those things, I would have. So how come now that I'm seeking this power greater than myself, like these things are manifesting, if it's not something bigger than myself? So there wasn't really one one moment or anything, but there were some moments, like when I first got uh, really sick, where I just, I had such a spiritual experience of, like, this is what was supposed to happen in my life. I I can see these things that are really hard as God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself because what I was doing in that first year of physical abstinence wasn't working for me in terms of emotional and spiritual abstinence, and I was running myself into the ground. And God floored me, basically, and, and showed me this doesn't work for you, and I had to do something different. So it's experiences like that that just over time, I just cannot deny that there's something bigger than myself.
1: Thank you. Hi, Lisa. Can you tell us about your prayer meditation routine in the morning? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so my routine in the morning is I send a gratitude list, and I read for today the Daily Reader, and I read On Awakening, which is pages 86-88 in the Big Book, and the acceptance passages on pages 4 on page 417 in the Big Book, and then I, I switch between uh, two different meditations. One is called meta meditation, um, and you basically kind of just repeat different uh, positive phrases for yourself and others in your life. Um And that one really helps me because there's a place in it for someone you're having a hard time loving, which is also kind of akin to resentment, right? Um And so that really helps me because I do it every other day. It doesn't matter what's going on. I'm praying for someone that I'm having a little bit hard of a like a hard time with. That really helps me. The other one is just that I um really just feel my body and breathe and really try and connect to my heart because my heart is how I experience the, the spiritual connection and how I connect to God. Um... And so I'm really just, like, feeling my heart, and, and it's like, what is the, the weather in my heart? Is there, is it kind of, like, anxious, like a windstorm? Is it, you know, cloudy and kind of dull? Is it bright and shiny? Every day it's different, um, and just connecting with how I feel. And then the prayer, I, I started uh, in the past year doing a more structured prayer, and uh I do Serenity Prayer, Third Step Prayer, and then I do a lot of the things that it suggests we pray for in pages 86, 88 on Awakening. Um, and then I I do things like asking God to turn my thoughts towards what I can contribute to life today instead of what I'm going to get from it. You know, we're all we're very selfish. We want to take, but contributing feels a lot better. I ask to help be of maximum service to God and to my fellows. Um, I ask for restlessness, irritability, and discontentment to be relieved and to help me be happy, joyous, and free. Um, I pray for the ability to treat all others with kindness, love, patience, and tolerance, whether I feel they deserve it or not. Which I learned from my sponsor, which is very helpful. <laughs> um, and and when I started doing these things every day, these things started manifesting in my life, and I started becoming more the person that I believe God wants me to be on a daily basis. And I, you know, I'm very serious a lot of the time, and I, I want to be more lighthearted, so I started praying for more like laughter and joy in my life, and that started happening too. And then I always uh, finished my prayers period with uh, the seven step prayer Um, because I just feel like it gives you a very solid place to like move outward into the world for the day and then I try and stay connected to God all day long and anytime I feel any kind of discomfort I bring it to God and you know I kind of connect that way
1: thank you so like I want to know how you can get straight A's doing a third less work (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. But there's got to be some kind of manipulation and control that you let go
0: of, or mm-hmm. describe that. So I was blessed. I the oh, I'm sorry, I think I keep forgetting to repeat the question. <laughs> um, he asked how I got straight A's doing a third less work, um, that there had to be some kind of surrender or release in that. And there definitely was. Um, and, you know, I mean, one, it's God that, that made that possible. I also was blessed with a pretty high intelligence, um, and so that definitely had a part in it. But how I had done school was that I had to know every single thing possible, or else how was I going to guarantee my A, right? And then I started realizing that, like, I know so much stuff that's never tested. I learned so much detail that I never needed to know, and that sometimes good enough is good enough. And so if I think I haven't done enough, I've probably done a lot more than I thought I have, Um, and it just worked. I just, you know, I put program first, and it worked. So thank thank you.